Welcome back to the Owner Operator Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Gray. And in this episode, I'm hosting Nick Topolovec. Nick recently purchased a foundation repair business for just 25,000 bucks. The business was doing about 420,000 in top line revenue before he purchased the business. And in month two, they put up 175K of revenue. In month three, they did 82,000 of revenue. How has he grown it so fast? Make sure to stick around for the episode and you'll hear Nick's story of how he's growing a foundation repair business. Before we jump into the episode, if you like these shows, please make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to give us a like, a follow, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review if you're enjoying these. Finally, this episode is brought to you by Owner Ops. Owner Ops is an online hub specifically for people who want to start local service businesses. We have resources available, video trainings, and we also have a private Slack group. So if you want to check it out, you can visit ownerops.com. That's O-W-N-R-O-P-S.com. And I hope to see you on the inside of the Slack channel. Without further ado, let's jump into the episode. This one, I was actually just about to do a tweet here and see if, uh, and see if anybody had any specific questions. Love it. You. Yeah, go ahead. I actually, uh, I just listened to the last episode, which was awesome. What an impressive young lad. Uh, which, which one? Garrett. Garrett? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Super he's impressive. a baller. Man, it's, just, it's so inspiring to see the, the wide range of people that are, uh, you know, that, that are attacking the industry. For sure. What is your handle? Oh, yeah, there we go. So so you go by Nick, right? Yeah, What's Nick. Your yeah, yeah. My full name is Nicola. Uh, okay. So my dad actually immigrated to Canada when he was 13, 14. Uh, so he grew up in Croatia. Um, and so definitely, uh, definitely have the, the, the blue collar genes in our family. That's for sure. That's awesome. What's in this tweet right now? I want to do this like, uh, like, hey, we're going live on the podcast episode and then uh, I'll keep it open in another tab and then just cool. see if anybody has like any specific questions. Love that. Um, dude, you've grown this business fast. And it's... Your, uh, you are growing it fast. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's been crazy. Just a little bit of context. Obviously, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for the last 13 years and um, for the last maybe six or seven, I had seen an opportunity in kind of blue collar spaces thinking, you know, a lot of these are, are under marketed and under operated from, from kind of a, a customer experience perspective. Uh, so, so it took a few kicks at the can on starting some things this is maybe six or seven years ago, my brother-in-law and I started a company called art of rock. It was a hardscaping company, um, backyard landscaping. He had done it for many years and had become quite talented at it. Um, in a week and a half, we had about 180 grand worth of quotes closed uh, from, from launch to 180 grand. It started out of the gate so hot, but then learned some things pretty quickly um, ab about that. Unfortunately, he wasn't able or ready to go full time and just delivering delivering the type of service and quality needed. Is, it, it wouldn't be able to be able be possible on a part time basis. So um Learned really quickly and, uh, and, you know, fast forward six years, it, my childhood best buddy has been a, a business broker for maybe four or five years now. He came over to a partner, a partner's place and we were all just, you know, shoot, shooting the shit a little bit. And he mentioned, oh, you know, I, I have this business 
you guys might be interested in. It's it's a little bit smaller, but um, I've been working with this owner. He's a great guy, and you know, from what I see, the business has a lot of potential. It had only done, you know, on, on its in its best year, four twenty, um, and it was really unique because the owner actually ran a landscaping company in parallel. So he would basically use the same crew, same machinery, and he'd flip flop between basement waterproofing and and backyard landscaping, uh, which is really interesting. And it presented unique challenges for us because he relied on kind of that that side of the business to keep keep the lights on a lot, and you know keep keep the the crew of four working all the time. Um, and what he also did was he shut down in November for four or five months until March. So it's one of these businesses where a, we were coming into it, not knowing necessarily if the basement waterproofing could sustain the four, the core four, uh, the core four guys as much as both businesses did. And then second, having no idea what, you know, December through, through March would look like. So, um, flying blind a little bit, but we met the owner, great dude. And, uh, Took us about fifty days to from meeting the owner to closing. That's incredible. Okay, you mentioned you're an agency founder, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, out of university is actually my first year of university. Um, my dad eventually got into kind of the financial services world and, and estate planning, and you know that was always a, a potential path for me. Um, but I kind of had the itch, you know, at nineteen, I was like, I want to get started. I want to get started. He's like. No degree, you know, no no life experience. Very hard to, you know, bring you into the financial world when you're graduated. You know, you'll, you'll have a place here. So I figured, okay, I want to find something to kind of get get my feet wet a little bit. I was playing football at, at the time for the university that, that I attended. So that was about 40 hours a week plus school. But I just knew, you know, I, I wanted to get something done. So with, uh, with three buddies, we co-founded a, a video production agency. Um, just literally out of my, uh, my buddies or my partner's mom's basement. Um, and you know, this was 2009, 2010 at the time. So video for business was super early. You know, we were still kind of the first few years convincing people why video is going to be an important part of kind of the marketing suite for all different types of businesses and organizations. And, uh, you know, sure enough, we were really, really onto something. Um, so that business is still running to this day. I'm, I'm not operationally involved in the business on a, on a day-to-day basis, but I uh, still have my co-founders in that business. They run it and, you know, we, we meet on a monthly, bi-monthly basis to kind of check in. But that's kind of where I where I cut my teeth. Incredible. What's the name of that business? It's called Waterbridge, Waterbridge Creative. So it's okay. been going since 2010. You know, we've worked with all different types of clients, government agencies, big banks, um, done stuff for Burton, done stuff for all different types of, uh, of businesses along the way. And, uh, you know, we ended up doing other things, you know, can you, you do video, can you do websites, can you do e-commerce, can you do these things? And, you know, over time we learned quite a bit. We're in Ottawa, so that's actually where Shopify was founded. So, you know, for lack of a better term, we were pretty close to the mothership. So we, we got heavily involved in the e-commerce space for quite a few year, years there as well. Wow. Incredible. Now, what? Okay, so let's go back to you buy this business. Yep. You closed in 50 days. 50 days. You must have had some sort of conviction that I can go buy a business in 
the blue collar trades or services. And with what I've learned from entrepreneurship up to this point, I know I can grow this business. What was that conviction early on? So it, it was it was two parts. One, my partner, awesome, awesome dude, been a been a good good friend of mine for the better part of seven eight years. He's a, he's a little bit older than I am. I'm I'm 33. He's like 38, 39. So just a little bit ahead, but a uh, CPA by trade. Um, so obviously a, a a really talented individual, and he had kind of come from the startup world and raised hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, private equity, had managed funds, had done all kinds of, um, you know, pretty extensive due diligence that would make this due diligence seem, you know, really, really small by comparison. So he, he was kind of our, our secret weapon when it came to this. Now, we both learned that due diligence for small business is very different than due diligence for big business, right? Small businesses usually operate on, on SDE, seller discretionary earnings. So what that looks like, understanding what we can peel back, what will come back into our pocket, that kind of thing was a little bit unique for him. But, you know, based on his his ability to, to really understand things, his, his due diligence capacity, his affinity with numbers he was really really well positioned to help do that and then where i kind of filled the gaps was just on the marketing side the operational side the kind of human management side of things the hr side of things so together we we formed this really you know unique team where he kind of takes care of a lot of the back office commercial facilities making sure all our equipment inventory all that kind of stuff whereas i'm a little bit more on the day-to-day -day. i deal with our our employees on a day-to-day -day basis i'm in contact with all of the uh all of the customers all the quotes etc so we we balance out each other really well and you know I, honestly i would say after probably 30 days we knew okay we're gonna do this we just need to iron out some semantics and actually we were supposed to do it at the 90 day mark so we were supposed to close at the end of april and we realized shit if we close at the end of april we're going to miss what could be you know a really big month in our industry when when the snow melts um so you know we asked the owner hey can we can we fast track this we'd like to close at the end of march and sure enough he, he was more than willing his the business had been on the market for two years uh by the time he met us so by this time he was really motivated to sell and he could tell we were really serious i remember reading the business was at like 420k of revenue right yeah which included 50k of of cash um which which he took in the business so to us you know it's it's it can be hard to account for but in good faith we we credited him with that with that 50k so it was really you know 370 plus the 15 cash so 420 was his was his last year and also his best year can you take us through the deal structure absolutely so we obviously didn't want to put a lot of money down. Um, you know, the, the more money down, you, the more risk. Another thing we knew is a he was he was at a point where he's willing to shut down the business um, and ready to shut it down. He had been on this you know business sale rodeo, this tour for the better part of two years, and you know no one really too serious had come to him. So he was really really motivated, and he could tell. Okay, these are the guys that can that could take it somewhere. So how it ended up working is we put a little less than 10% down. So put 25 K down a bit. We agreed on a 280 K uh, valuation and he would finance the balance on what works out to being like a 42 month term. So we had a six month, no payment 
um, which is up now, obviously. And then, and then we had two promissory notes, a 12 month and a 24 month. So it works out six months, no payment followed by a 12 month term at 8% and a 24 month term at 8%. So effectively we're paying for the business over about three and a half years. And when you say at 8%, that you're saying there's 8% interest tacked on. Exactly. Through. Yeah, exactly. Which, so you know, three years ago may have been expensive. Um, but, but today actually feels pretty good. Yeah. So you've got two, two different notes there. One 12 month for a specific set amount. Yeah. And one and one 24 month after that. So for us, it made, you know, complete sense, especially with our belief in our ability to grow the business. Okay. This owner is willing to finance a, a vast majority of it. We'll put the 25 K down. Um, you know, once we own the business, there's cash in the business. We're able to kind of pull that out. So we were able to actually pull that out three or four weeks after we, we acquired the business. So, you know, effectively we're 0% down, but we have all the, all the risk, of course. Now you set it up in two different loans because of, I, I think I know why, but I'll, I'll ask you. So I actually, I, I'm not confident enough to speak to the exact details on why my partner wanted to do it in, in two promissory notes, but I think he just wanted to, to break it up to keep it as simple as possible versus have kind of that extended one. And I think there's a half percent increase on the, on the back end, if I'm not mistaken, but I know it was six months, no payment, a 12 and a 24. Is the first 12 month, like is the way the amortization schedule is set up, like that's a lower monthly payment for that? It's amount? actually cool. We do quarterly payments. Um, okay. So yeah, every quarter we, we cut them a, a big old check. And then what we also did was we offered him an opportunity to keep quoting uh, for for a percentage, like a sales percentage, you know, he wants to keep busy, he just doesn't want to be too involved. He's in his mid to late seventies. So, you know, okay. he wants to remove himself from the day to day, but he doesn't mind being on the road a couple of days a week to, to keep moving. All right. So we've got the deal structure in place. Now the fun part begins. Like I've been seeing your tweets, like you're generating some revenue right out the gate. What the heck are you doing? So honestly, the, the craziest part is, you know, for us learning the business is, is has been has been definitely a, a curve right um i kind of grew up working in the in the trades businesses in high school like i had a couple different landscaping jobs and i would do you know odd jobs that kind of stuff but i i wouldn't consider myself a tradesman by any means right like i'm i'm on site with the team a couple times a month a lot of my work is constantly calling clients and setting up calls and scheduling and doing all that kind of stuff so for us the big thing out of the gate was really we made two changes one is we like feverishly attacked the pipeline like we're answering within minutes seconds sometimes we're picking up the phone we're seeing them for quotes really quickly and we're turning around quotes really really quickly i had a client tell me last week she only got a reply from one of our competitors a week after we had already completed the job. So it took a competitor, you know, four and a half weeks to, to make the first reply. And we had already quoted one, completed and received uh, and received the review from that client. So, you know, what we really, really did was just obsess over that pipeline. That's something that the old owner just didn't really do is more so send off the quote. And if he hears from them again, great. If not, 
oh, they're not interested. Um, and as you know, a lot of the times it really comes down to just making them more comfortable and helping them understand what it is the service entails and, and what it is you're doing for them. Um, so that's what, that's, what's really interesting for us is that we're in a, we're in a needs business. You know, you got two inches of water in your basement. It's not necessarily, um, perceived in the same way as a, as a bathroom that you might want to get rent out or, or a kitchen you might want to redo. Um, we're very much in a space where people are stressed. There's added health risks when your basement is wet. It's just a compounding kind of, uh, stressful issue for these clients. So, um, being in the need space was really big for us. The second thing we did was we, we started using jobber literally out of the gate. We had jobber on day one. It helped us create kind of that, that one source of truth. It helped inform our employees right before us. They were kind of going off what they'd hear from the owner that morning at the yard. Right. So, um, this was a way to kind of keep our, our team informed of what's coming. You know, let's not show up and figure it out today. They're informed well ahead of these projects. And in fact, as soon as they're closed, that the team is informed of the project and all the details. Did this business already have inbound leads? So it had legacy. It was founded in 2008, right? So it was about a 16-year-old business when we bought it. Although when we bought it, there was nothing booked. Um, so zero, zero projects booked. Now, another thing that the, the old owner kind of neglected or didn't care about as much was the servicing aspect. So we offer a lifetime warranty on our services. Our system is sure proof. Um, but in order to maintain that warranty, they need to service their sump pumps with us once a year, right? It's the only way that we can ensure that the system will be effective because if, if it's the single point of failure and no one serviced it, ultimately, you know, someone's got to be liable for that. So that's one thing that the owner never really cared too much about was kind of hunting down those, those servicing opportunities. So for us, that was another big thing was going through all the, literally the boxes of paper, right? Nothing was digitized. So we're going through boxes of paper. We're digitizing old clients, calling them, Hey, we're digitizing our records. Can you remind us how many pumps you have? When's the last time you got serviced? All that. So it's been a bit of a slog to kind of, you know, bring it into this decade, but, um, it's been, it's been really, really good so far. That is awesome. And, and like, I remember when my business partner and I bought our first business, like we did the same exact thing. We were like, this, this, this piece is so fun to just like get old records and be like, what sort of opportunities is this going to bring up? So my question for you on that service side, is that a recurring revenue stream right there for you guys? It is. So right now we, we, wow. we price them as one-offs and that's something we want to work towards is maybe getting our, our clients just on a subscription and make it a little bit more predictable. We just kind of amortize it on a monthly basis, but we charge three ninety five plus tax uh, a year to service these pumps. And so the tricky part about them is our geographic area is kind of so wide and far that you know, we'll sometimes go jobs two hours away. So it wouldn't make sense to go service a pump, a single pump two hours away. So we get into this, you know, this kind of scheduling matrix where we have to kind of stack services in the same area on the same day, but also do that at a time where we're not busy taking on larger set projects where our team is a little bit more occupied on kind of these, you know, these large 
five figure uh, five figure contracts and projects. So it that part is really tricky. But I think over the next year or two, we'll we'll get to a point where we have probably 150, 200 clients who are servicing with us on an annual basis. That's so cool. The opportunities that are there because you have a one time in well the repair fee i guess is the best way to put it yep so you have which is a larger ticket item yeah so it could be kind of one of three things is like our 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 core work so on the lower end we have you know we'll come in and we'll fix a wall crack or a number of wall cracks that's kind of our you know base fix um then we have what's called an encapsulation. Um, so that's using a, a, a wall wrap. It's an antimicrobial, antifungal wall wrap where kind of wrap the basement kind of looks like something out of Dexter almost. It's it's literally all white, fully clean, fully dry. And then kind of our big systems, our patented system is like a, think of it as like a, a water, it's literally called water trek system. It's, we, we, we take the, uh, the jackhammer, we core out maybe, you know, if it's rock or, or stone, depending, it's how hard the boys will work. But we, we, we basically dig a trench, we drop our track in there, the track feeds to the pump, the pump discharges out of the house. And through the process that we're able to do it, it catches every single drop of water, we'll keep the basement 100% wet. And that's how we're able to fully warranty all of our work. So those are kind of, you know, the, the three service level buckets, the full system, obviously being, um, you know, the, the, the larger fix, if you will, and that's based on a on a linear square foot linear foot uh, basis. The the encapsulations are more on a square footage basis, and the wall cracks is just by crack. What's an average ticket job size? So, if you look at my my Twitter, I've been updating. Kind of, I've done two months of updates. I did April and I did May, and you'll see I think fifteen or seventeen jobs in those months now it brings down the average because i'm actually counting services service jobs in that in that kind of average which are only 400 tickets but you know our biggest job has been 70k we've had a couple 50ks i would say average is probably around 15 to 20. that's cool. something we'll be looking at once we kind of hit our 12 month mark is just breaking down all the services breaking down all how many of this how many of that what's the average here what's the average there but i would suspect probably around 15 grand or so nice but but definitely above 10k oh yeah oh yeah definitely and again it looks lower on twitter but that's because you have a handful of jobs at at 400 at least in each month um whereas you know last week we did a two day for 22 grand trying to aim a, for around 7500 a day is kind of our our sweet spot and how big is your crew size four so that was one of the biggest things for us right is especially with the nuances of like okay we're shutting down the landscaping business how are we going to keep these guys busy enough these are the core guys who have been with the team so our foreman's been with the old owner he's a scottish scottish fellow awesome man He's been with the old owner since before he even founded this business. He's been around 16 plus years for this business. He's seen everything under the sun. He was our our true key man. There's three other guys. Two of them had been there over eight, eight years. And the last guy had been there for, I think, one and a half, two. And he was he is the old owner's nephew. Um, so there's an interesting part is the entire team is is quite a bit older than me. So that was kind of an interesting dynamic coming into this is, you know, understanding 
okay, what motivates these guys and how we can do our best to retain them and create kind of that, that mutual respect there. Right. Cause again, I'm sometimes in the basements, but very rarely I got to be answering calls. I got to be quotes. I got to be dealing with customer issues, suppliers, the whole thing. So I'm only able to be there every so often. And the old owner had long transitioned out of the jobs, but he was originally a part of these a part of these projects on the ground. So creating that mutual respect was really, really important. And, you know, had to had to lean on any emotional intelligence that I had to, you know, understand these guys and see what motivates them and, you know, give them a space to to vocalize how they feel. Um, the old owner was definitely a my way or the highway kind of guy. Um, and so I think giving them that space, you know, within reason has been really good for our relationships. We give everyone raises. We got them phones so they could, you know, uh, they could do everything on Jobber. We got our our foreman trucks, a truck. Um, we do a quarterly profit share with these four key guys. We want to incentivize them, you know, a little bit of agency theory where we're all working towards the same goal. So we really flipped it on its head in terms of the relationship between the company and these employees and what they were used to. So I think they were really, really grateful for that. And had we not done that, I... I I have a feeling we may have lost one or two just because there was a few, you know, September, for example, been our worst month yet. Um, that was a quieter month. So, you know, we couldn't guarantee these guys hours at the time. And that kind of was a pivot point for us. Up until then, all four guys had been had been uh, on hourly. And so at that point, we put two guys on salary. We locked them in. And then we've since locked the other two guys on a part-time salary just so that they can continue to maintain hours regardless if we have a quiet week or not. Can you share your profit bonus structure? So we give 1.5, I think it's 2% to the foreman, 1.5 to two other guys and and one to the last guy. Um, And this is on a quarterly basis. So again, we, you know, we don't want to lose these guys. These are super key guys. This is really grueling work it's hard dusty musty work sometimes you're you're literally on your knees or on your belly all day long there's different issues that can occur all different types of stuff so it was really really important for us to to um to show these guys upside in in a place where they weren't shown upside in the past and many people aren't shown upside and we really wanted to lock in these guys and again that was a key um key to helping us maintain them because at times we had less hours for them right it wasn't it wasn't like the landscaping and where every week was busy packed to the brim we had downtime and we had to figure out how to kind of level that out for them and the profit share definitely definitely helped that for sure that's great okay so you attack the pipeline you axe landscaping you go all in on this foundation waterproofing You've put up some big numbers recently, big months. Like what have been the key drivers to that? That is, you know, first and foremost, I don't want to discount. There's a level of weather dependency to this business, right? We, it rains, we get calls every single time, no matter what. It's drier period, we'll get less calls. It's more frozen, we'll get a few less calls. So that's why certain times in the summer or times like now where, you know, even if they do have issues, they may not see it because everything's frozen. That can be difficult. So I don't want to discount the fact that last 
last winter we had a, a record winter in our area from from a snowfall perspective. It was an obscene amount of snow. So so the melt was insane. Um, that's one thing. Second, we did start Google AdWords and and L, and we got set up with with LSA. So that's been really really good uh, to us. You know, we spent about a thousand a month, so it's nothing crazy, and we'll be transitioning that. Think a little bit more into the organic side of things uh, this coming year because that's something I really, really want to focus on. And you know, picked up some great tips from some of your your past episodes um, that have been really awesome. And uh, and so, really want to leverage organic SEO. But really, it's been about a thousand bucks a month on Google AdWords and just picking up the phone right away, like every time. Like if I see something come in, I'm calling them, texting them, emailing them, like literally within minutes um and they noticed that you know we went from three reviews when we bought the business i think three or maybe four and we're at like 49 now so i've been really really aggressive on that and if you you know read through our reviews i get mentioned by name a lot and a lot of the time it's like a lot of the times like i don't know how he answered so fast one guy was like i thought it was an auto reply it was like 10 30 on a monday but like if I see it come through, of, of course I'm going to answer, right? And, and I'll answer right away because, again, we're in the needs business um, and people want to feel like they're being taken care of. And if you don't answer for days or in some cases weeks, they won't take you seriously. <laughs> it's so awesome. Like whenever you get the, oh, my gosh, that was fast. You're like, yeah. Like, it's like, like we're professionals literally it's the yeah. best feeling you know seeing reviews i love i'm giddy for reviews like i i love when a project went really well and like okay now it's my time to like you know go go solicit this review and try and get the best out of this review right because like you can't write it yourself you know what you'd hope they would say and you can maybe you know plant little seeds but ultimately it's up to them to write it and when i see oh the owner you know nick communicated so fast or he replied within minutes like it's numerous times now and so like that shows really well, especially when people see our reviews and then they contact us and they have the same experience. It just creates a consistency for um, for prospects. And and I think, you know, I'd be shocked if that wasn't helping us convert. We, we convert probably around, I'd say, close to 50% of our quotes. Wow, that's incredible. So far. I mean, there you have it for those of you who are listening I mean, take notes on what Nick is saying because this stuff works. And in a world where people are either, I feel like it's like one of two things. Like right now, the successful businesses in my area and most local markets are held by people who are 60, 65, 70 years old. And they get work simply by word of mouth because they have delivered a great service day in day out but oftentimes that owner is still in the field and they don't get back to customers right away they have the mindset that like our team is busy we have more work than we need right now i'll call that customer whenever it's convenient for me as a new business or as somebody taking over a business if you just answer your phone quickly and get them a quote it pays off i mean listen to what nick's saying he's closing 50 percent of these leads the second thing that i see a lot in and you've kind of come from uh, you know the tech world or or video marketing world you're familiar with the concept deep work right yep oh yeah so 
a lot of people have read that book, especially in tech or, or digital world. And a lot of people are putting their phone on like, do not disturb, like getting in the zone, doing like deep sort of writing work or, or whatever that may be. But the reality is in this service business, somebody has to be quick on the phones. And so until you find that somebody to be as aggressive as you will be as the owner, it's, and you and I share this belief, like I'm filling this role in our business right now. When I have the Google My Business profile directed straight to my cell phone, when I get a call from an unknown number, I'm answering every single time. In seconds, you know, and, and actually my, my partner and I, same partner, have a couple Airbnbs uh, in, a, in a ski town about an hour north of here, you know, and, and we've done we've done pretty well over the last few years and, you know, super host, five star rating, over a hundred, like done really, these are luxury cottages, sleep 12 and, and 16. But it's part of kind of, you know, what trained me for is because when you're a host, there's no like getting back in a couple hours. If that happens, A, they've already booked elsewhere. And if they're staying with you and it takes you a couple hours to reply, that's not good. The likelihood is they're asking you about something or they have an issue. And if you're not quick as hell, you've lost them, right? And all of a sudden you're at risk. In, in that world, the reviews are even more um more pertinent to success because a four star can you know can crush a listing almost single-handedly so uh that part was was big in training and you know I, I do a lot of the marketing work write some of the blogs i direct a lot of it um but if i was to deep work for two three hours and someone contacted me in the first minute you know i'm now replying three hours later than i would have otherwise so hearing that ping it's like okay i gotta get after this no matter what i'm doing that comes first because then the client feels taken care of man it's so awesome i i resonate so much with your thought process and your value and i know you've been kind of following my journey too and engaging and whatnot and you know that i'm the guy i'm more of the start from the ground up opportunity but i see you as someone who shares that same start from the ground up mentality even though you bought a business that was already uh it, existing it had a crew in place um and so Definitely. man i have so much respect for the approach you're taking to this what are your goals with the business where do you want to take it that's a great question austin um so you know first and foremost having a lot of fun i definitely am a build from the ground up person you know i have i have a few successes and and many failures in, in all different types of businesses and they've all been from the ground up um and so i've learned a ton at kind of uh, from, you know, sticking the shovel in the ground, you know, with the first stroke, if you will. So this one has definitely been different, although my past life has brought a ton of advantages to understanding, you know, how to build and grow this business. So for us, I think, you know, growth is is inevitable. It's just how much can we grow and 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 how quickly can we can we grow and how can we, you know, maintain employee happiness and then beyond that, scale past this current crew so this current crew if we added you know a, a fifth guy we suspect we could do probably 1.5 to 1 1.7 with with that single crew um so that's really really powerful we have some room to grow there you know probably 30 percent or so after we finish this first 12 months we'll probably break a million and you know we'll be another 50% growth, we can, we can get there and maintain it with the crew. After that is when we'll need to kind of, you know, add that second crew. So 
as I'm sure you know, these phases of growth come with different challenges and, and you know, different burdens and different types of commitments. So I think for us, next step is, you know, that 1.5, 1.7 milestone and then understanding, okay, what's it going to take to go to three and a half, four, like double the business again after four or five Xing it, right? What's it going to take to double it? financially, emotionally, time commitment wise, what that scaling actually looks like and understanding, okay, here's how we go from 1.4 to, to three or to four. But at 1.4, 1.7, we're doing pretty, pretty well for ourselves. And, um, you know, we, we found a good sweet spot. So that's really the next goal is to hit kind of those numbers. And we think we can get there. What do you think some of the biggest challenges are? I know you 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 mentioned that like each phase of growth uh, presents its different challenges. Like what right now are the main challenges? Oh, that's a great question. So there are always little things that come up. You know, for example, right now we have uh, we have a Freightliner and an International and a Cube van. So you have three vehicles with the company. The International and the Freightliner were purchased to be kind of hybrid vehicles between the two, between the two companies, the landscaping and the basement waterproofing. So technically they're kind of overkill. And the issue is they're over the 4,500 kilogram weight limit. So in Ontario, it's definitely in Canada, if not only in, in Ontario, which is our state, but it's something called CVOR, basically a special license when you're, you're working with a vehicle as heavy as these. And the issue is it has to be the owner who has the license and there's all types of like maintenance requirements and keeping up. So it's like our, our foreman couldn't even be the one to do it. I'm not ever driving the actual vehicle. So it creates this like disconnect in the situation where do we really need these vehicles when we could have something under that 4,500 kilo weight, do exactly what we needed to do and not worry about, you know, the CVOR license. So that's kind of a, an interesting random challenge that's come up to us is okay sell these vehicles buy something else and uh and continue to push forward but you know our, our biggest challenges is just to a increase lead flow i think that's a really big one especially during down months again these were months that the company was completely dormant so there's no historical anything from these months we're just kind of figuring it out for the first time and and b just continue to make sure our employees are happy you know, continue to to have those open lines of communication. Like this morning, at a my partner and I had a great breakfast with our foreman. Caught up. You know, we're we're nine and a half months in. Where do you think? Where can we improve? Where can we continue to support you? Are you happy? Where do you need help? What needs changing? You know, all these things. And so, this is an audience that he maybe didn't have in in the former regime. And I think he's 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 really appreciating that you can tell he's a company man, you know, he cares about the company, he cares about the profits, he puts the company first. So those would be the really the two biggest things increasing lead flow, which will come with good marketing and making sure we keep the employees happy. If we can do those two things, 1.5 is is very, very achievable, because you got to remember, these projects are, are for the most part in and out, right? Our longest was seven days. But usually they're two, three, maybe four days. We've had a couple five-day jobs. So um, by nature, get in, do the work, get out. Um, so it's very, very efficient in that way. It's just about having the right amount of lead flow, closing the right amount of deals, and making sure that these quieter months, December, January, February, March, are able to not only help us break even, but put us in the profit zone and start to push up on some of those, you know, 
middle of the pack months, if you will. How do you do that? Do you push harder on and stay focused on foundation waterproofing, or do you consider adding a uh, you know an off season type service? So definitely for us, we're going to continue pushing on the waterproofing. One of the and the foundation repair. One of the kind of maybe unique aspects about us is we actually only do our work from the inside. So a lot of our competitors are exterior foundation repair, excuse me, which is much harder to do in the winter up here. Like today it's minus 30 Celsius and there's snow on the ground. Like nothing's moving, right? You're, you're not, you're not digging too efficiently here. So we could actually work through the winter, which is really great. Now, not to say the winter doesn't affect us, right? Materials get harder. The stone, the stone kind of clumps up and is, is rock hard. The guys have to be in and out of the property all the time, running to the truck, getting demo, getting new materials, the whole thing, right? So it makes it more difficult, but it's completely doable. Um, and so for us, we're definitely going to focus more or continue to focus on the basement waterproofing foundation repair, but we do want to expand our services a little. You know, we want to understand what it would look like to do exterior work at some point, right? Some prospects come to us and they have it convinced in their mind that, no, exterior is the only way this will be fixed. Or the only way I'll assure that I'll never get a drop in my basement is by doing the exterior work, which is not actually the case, but you just can't convince them otherwise. And so in those situations, we would be able to say, okay, well, interior solution X, exterior solution Y. Um, but there are different services like radon, radon gas mitigation, this type of stuff that we want to start to kind of, you know, introduce into our service line and expand a little bit more. And the last thing is that the old owner never cared about kind of remediation. So when we come in into a finished basin, we have to do a lot of demo, right? To install our system. And the old owner was just, okay, we'll do the demo, we'll install our system. Then by the way, you know, you'll need to find a contractor to come in and, you know, put, put your framing back up and, and get the drywall and the insulation going. And now we've started to offer that. Our second in command is, a, is an experienced carpenter, the old owner's nephew, super experienced carpenter, awesome guy, used to run his own business, so just gets it. And now we can kind of become that one-stop shop for clients and say, hey, you know, we'll install our system, but then also we can remediate for you. You don't have to go find another contractor. You don't have to go find another quote. You don't have to go through that whole process. Our guys will just wait the extra day while the cement dries, and then we'll be in there the next day to, you know, the next day or multi-days to, to finish up the basement. Yeah, that's great. What is the difference in a slow month and a like like can you give us examples of your numbers from your slowest month to yeah. your to your yes. best month of the so year? So May May was our best and that was in the 170s. I think it was 17 I just posted about it. I think it was 177. Um that was our best month so far and our worst was September um which was 35k. Um so, you know, based on standards of the past the 35k is is still solid um but for us you know it, it's it's not a break-even point our burn is probably around 40 or so maybe a little bit more it fluctuates depending on what we're doing for marketing and one-time cost versus ongoing cost etc so that fluctuated quite a bit although the kicker was in august up until August, the old owner had been doing pretty much 100% of the quotes. We would send guys with him to learn. We have another quoter now, and we would make sure that our foreman goes with him to learn because obviously, you know, he was ready to transition out. But in August, he had uh, a medical issue where he just kind of stopped quoting but didn't tell us. So it 
for two or three weeks, we kind of were a little bit, you know, in the dark, if you will. And that played a major role in our slowdown and our ability to close. We've since kind of shored that up. He hasn't even quoted since then. And as I mentioned earlier, it may do a couple days in the spring, but um, that transition period really, really hurt us. But it was a bit of a blessing in disguise, made us stronger for sure. Where is the next strategic investment? Like, like the most pressing, is it vehicles? Is it personnel? Is it new crew? Is it specific service technician? Great question. Uh, and I'm, and I'm laughing a little because, you know, my partner and I had this, uh, uh, conversation this morning. I don't even want to call it a debate. We just, we're both super passionate guys. And, uh, we had this conversation this morning about where we need to kind of shit. The phone's going to be, you know, ringing off, off the hook. But until we until that time comes, we're kind of flying blind a little bit. So we want to make sure that we're where we're investing. It's very strategic. In my opinion, it's 100 percent in organic SEO. You know, that's that's a huge, huge opportunity for us. I, I look at our competitors locally and I, I look at their sites and I know the type of business they're doing. You know, they have numerous trucks, numerous crews so I can. I can do basic math at least, and uh, and they're doing very well from a numbers perspective. But they're they're marketing their online presence. The whole thing is just stuck in you know the early two early to mid two thousands. I mean, you know how it is. You look at competitors, and you can kind of tell, you know, what decade they they last took a good look at their marketing, uh, especially you know coming from the marketing world. So it's uh it's really interesting to see how they've been able to be so, as successful as they are with the marketing that they have mind you i'm sure they have great systems and obviously they've been around a really long time but so have we and and so do we uh and so organic seo is going to be absolutely huge for us and i'm just kind of a a squeaky wheel with my partner and a, and a broken record to some degree um and and he's awesome he's so good at making sure we're spending wisely and we have enough in the bank account and he's he's cash flow conscious and he really really balances me out that way so we 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 find that sweet spot between us but um i know for a fact that organic seo three four five six seven months after we start is going to create a lead pipeline that will be absolutely astronomical yeah, absolutely. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be like a rather small, you know, 10 to 25 grand over the whole I mean, year. Right. Yeah. And we're, we're talking tickets of 15, 20 grand. Right. So like a single a single project that wouldn't have otherwise come is going to pay for a whole year's worth of of organic SEO. And we rank incredibly terribly, despite having our domain for 16 years, like our domain authority is like six and we're like way down the list on on maps and you know nowhere near the first page and we still that's still kind of a primary source of leads for us so i know when we get up to that kind of upper echelon of rankings the leads are just going to flow like absolute crazy and uh you know we got to be ready for that and that will be a challenge just quoting all these leads because of how wide our area is we could be driving four hours a day for leads you know plus behind the wheel um, we'll go as far as two, maybe a little more than two hours. When that happens, we have to put the guys up in an Airbnb, et cetera. So um, we have to be really conscious of that. But yeah, SEO, organic SEO all the way. And, you know, big part of that has been your episodes, man. They've been awesome. And and there have been a few guests who have really kind of hammered that home. And 
I always knew that, and I always saw it as as a as an opportunity. It's the part of the undermarketed aspect of some of these businesses, right? They don't understand SEO, they don't understand organic SEO, and it's hard to tell them, hey, you're going to be investing for three to six months before you really see any returns. That part usually kind of you know blows the top off from what I've seen, but I know how powerful it can be, especially when the competitors aren't doing it properly. 100% and you and I share that same mindset. I mean, I look at it the same way. Like you can spend about 12,000 bucks to go all in on it this year or if you really want to ramp it up, spend double that. And you know, at the top end you're looking at 24, 25 grand. And whenever you can say, okay, like that could literally be recouped with several jobs. Like easily easily especially with the type of job i mean you know some our highest job so far was 70 grand so like that pay you know if that's a job that comes in from organic that pays for numerous years of of service right and as you know organic's kind of the gift that keeps on giving because it's it it compounds you don't have to necessarily pay for every click and and every single lead that comes that comes out in an ideal world we would have a small sprinkle of google ads and just be hammering organic we did do some radio as well. Um, it was a legacy contract the old owner had. It's really interesting, maybe 1500 bucks a month. We've since paused it, but we're you know debating if we bring it back on or not. Reason being the towns we're doing radios in are like small towns, you know, not 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 big places where people are cruising with their Spotify, you know, where the radio station is on in the hardware store and in the grocery store, and you know, on 90% of vehicles, people are listening to the radio. So um yeah, really interesting. Cool. Well, I actually just checked uh, X. I still have a tough time calling it X. Like, it yeah, still wants to come I, I actually Twitter. Call, I still call it Twitter, unfortunately. For now. All right. So I just <laughs> checked the the tweet I did, and looks like uh, Casey asked, "When growing fast, do you focus on hiring more staff and then filling up the work to meet that supply?" Or do you build up the demand and follow by hiring staff to fulfill it? So this is this came at the exact time of the conversation of what we're having real time. So what's your answer to that? So, I mean, great question. For us, because we have the capacity with our current team, it's all about filling, filling that current team out. I think we would get to a point when we hit kind of that 1.5, 1.7, which is where we anticipate kind of our or, you know, where we start to stretch it a little bit. Uh, once we do that, I think is when we would start to look at, okay, what does filling another team look like, right? Understanding, okay, how are we going to shuffle the vehicles? Who's going to be that second foreman? It's It would be our second in command. We already know that. But now we're kind of splitting the crew and do we send one of the old crew? Is it two guys and two guys and then both crews are filled with two new guys, right, to kind of split the experience across the cruise. So these are questions we're, we're already asking ourselves and understanding and trying to get to a place where we have a firm belief when that time comes. But because we have so much capacity with our team, we just want to book up as much as humanly possible to get to that that revenue stretch point where we're in consideration. We're in a really unique business, at least so far, where like all of our businesses book like three weeks out we're like we haven't had a huge i think our longest lead time was like 12 days at one point we had 12 or 13 of the next days booked out completely it's quick shuffle and people make their decisions yes or no usually fair fairly quickly so 
my hope is when we get there, we can, you know, book out a couple months in advance and then have that kind of that comfort or that base layer of saying, okay, we can hire another two guys full time because look, we're booked out for three months and we know we're going to continue to drive the revenue. It's a little bit riskier when, you know, we're selling a job for two weeks from now today. But I wanted to ask, like, whenever you go to build up your crew, how are you going to recruit staff? So funny enough, and I don't know if it's the economy or the marketing or a bit of both, but we receive quite a bit of inbound for work, probably like three to four individuals a month reach out, send resume, hey, looking for work, looking for work. Um, now, I don't yet know what that kind of conversion looks like for us. We haven't been through a, a hiring cycle, right? And it's really hard work. It's really grueling work. It's long hours. It's messy. It's dirty. So my guess is not everyone would necessarily stick around or, or be reliable enough. Um, but with that being said, you know, we do get a lot of inbound. So a lot of opportunities to test people. And we have a couple of young guys that we've called on like 17, 18, 19 year olds are yards in the country. So there's a lot of kind of, you know, blue collar, hardworking individuals. And these kids have been great. They can't drive yet. Um, but they've been great kind of, you know, fifth, fifth man, fifth individuals to the crew. So, um, We'd open it up on on the regular stuff like Indeed. I would hammer the Facebook job boards, find a contractor, these types of groups that are kind of in the different cities and areas that we belong to or that we service, I should say. And then network, you know, a bunch of friends are in the space. And so just having these conversations. Um, I don't anticipate it being easy, but I think we'll be able to make it happen when that time comes. And we're probably about... I'd say a good six months from from being there, realistically. Man, I'm excited to watch you grow this thing. Um, I think you're going to have people reaching out to you left and right. And the reason being is because you and I share a, a core belief in the sense that like, dude, I don't want to just create a business for the sake of creating a business. Like what drives me a lot is creating a business where people want to come to work and want to work on a team together. And we're all motivated towards one goal. And I think that starts to show over time. And the reason why I can speak to that is because we've gotten several calls recently from other people who have worked for other businesses. Hey, you know, I've seen you guys, I've heard about you guys. I like what you guys are doing, you know, whether it be you know, interacting with them through other contractors or sub uh, general contractors or rental companies, whatever it may be. Um, I think just like showing the level of professionalism and the fact that like the team members are taken care of, other people naturally just want to be a part of something like that. And so, man, I'm excited for you. I really do believe that y'all got something really good going because one, you're so committed to <laughs> delivering that level of five-star service. It's like when a customer calls, you're calling them within seconds. And I think those sorts of little details translate down into the team, right? It's like, if they see you filling up the pipeline, like you're filling, it's like, holy crap, Nick is, Nick's hustling, you know? And then, so I think that drives like more energy from the field side too. Definitely. Yeah, Sorry, I was going to wrap, I was just going to wrap it up with like, and then when the energy is high in the field side and people are excited about work, then other people see that and other people want to come and be a part of that too. 
A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I can see it, you know, the foreman, my foreman, Steve, he's awesome, awesome lad, but he always makes joke. Holy shit. You're, you know, in a Scottish accent, you're, you're fast. Cause it's like, he's calling and it's not even one ring and I'm answering, you know, what's up partner. What do you need? How can I help? You know? And I think that's really important because I'm not in the field on a, on a day-to-day basis. And it's important for them to see that a, I'm always accessible to them, you know, day or night, no matter what day a week it is always accessible, really reasonable, making sure that they're taking care of checking in, you know, how's the family having these conversations, I think are, are really, really important to kind of, you know, show them that I may not be in the basements with you every single day, but I'm in the trenches with you every single day. I'm driving this every single day. I'm making the calls, having the conversations, doing the marketing things. And, you know, I share the reviews with them, which they love to see because oftentimes it'll mention them, their great work, you know, their politeness, their professionalism. And it shows, look, guys, you know, we, for 16 years, we had, we had three or four reviews and, you know, in nine months, we now have 49 or, or 50 of them. Right. And, and they understand that takes work. And so sharing with them what it takes on the back end has been, um, I think, really enlightening uh, for me, but also for them to understand that, you know, this thing just, it doesn't run itself. Um, and, you know, the the quote unquote passive ownership that, you know, that really doesn't, doesn't exist. Not if, not if you want to grow the business or, or make anything substantial of it, you know? Yeah. And it's just no fun either. Like, I think the four-hour work week just completely ruined a whole generation of of very could-be talented entrepreneurs. And, you know, it's funny. It's like, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but the people who have achieved the four-hour work week status early on in life, like in their 30s or, you know, especially late 20s, it's like the, the people have openly shared, like, it's led to depression, right? There's like n- nothing to wake up for. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think like being an owner, like it's way more fun to just be in the business and like with the crew working with a team on growing something together. Well, because you see the cause and effect, right? The things that you do have an impact, whether it's short term, medium term or long term, at some point downstream, good and bad, the things you do for the business have an effect on it, right? And there's a there's a tangibility to it. And, and you're right, man. Like, you know, I love golf. I probably play maybe 30 or, or 40, you know, rounds a year. My, my partner's a big golfer. And so we'll get out six 30 in the morning. We'll start our meeting on the golf course. We have our conversations. Then we head back and kind of, you know, get things on paper, if you will. Absolutely love golf. But if you told me you could retire with whatever money you want right now, but you can never work again. And you got to golf every single day. I would get bored. You know, there's, there's a part of the chase. I think that's, that's really important. You see it with pe- folks who are retired, you know, they, you know, unfortunately, after you retire, you know, your life, your health and wellness start seem, seemingly starts to go downhill a little bit. Um, and I think that, you know, wor- this type of work has a purpose for sure. For sure. And it's absolutely necessary and it's needed. And it feels really good when you deliver a great product or a great service to a customer who actually needs your service. It it really really does, especially in in our in our field too, right? When it's such a such a need and it's such a concern, you know, for people. And when we come in, we give them the confidence, and we solve their issues. They're just so happy. Uh, you know, I, I tell friends and family and people around me, oh, you know, we acquired a basement found basement waterproofing foundation repair company, and the looks I get are like, it's like 
it's not sexy, man. It is there's like a bit of confusion, a bit of kind of oh, cool, you know, congrats. You know, they don't fully necessarily always understand it. You know, some people who are closer to me kind of get a, a little bit more of a look under the hood, but you know, kind of the acquaintances in the in the circles, like there's a weird fit here. Like, aren't you a marketer? Like, what's going on? Um, but for us on the day to day, we're just always hustling, always grinding, always looking to grow the business and kind of, you know, take a new approach to it. Yeah, I I can feel you on that, too. Uh, you know, I've definitely gotten the weird looks like you, you're so are you a logger now or or what you know and well this, it's just this the last episode you know you're mentioning a little bit how how you know you and your you and your wife are grinding it out and and, and building things etc and it's just you know it's that kind of stuff that it's the pilot light that keeps us going you know jumping out of bed every morning at, at six in the morning you know and that's another thing before this i can kind of wake up whenever sleep until 7 30 8 no problem well can't do that if my boys are up at six in the yard at six thirty. I gotta be like if I'm not there with them, it's gotta be a one ring pickup no matter what, no matter every day. So wake up at five forty five, get ready, hit the gym, bring my phone with me. You know they call, I pick up any time of day, and uh, that makes a difference. It's can be taxing as I'm sure you know. You know that has uh, difficulties on relationships if you're kind of always on call, but finding that balance I think is really important and making sure the people around you understand why this motivates you and why this is so important to you and kind of letting them in on it a little bit, I think is, has been really helpful for me from a personal, personal relationship perspective. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm so excited that you joined us for an episode on the owner operator podcast, Nick, your, your values and your approach to this is, it's pretty cool to see. And, and I'm so glad that we just get to share this with our listeners because man, this is the message and the reason why I started the podcast. It's like, once you accept the fact that you do, like like work can be enjoyable and also like, also like growing the business and being inside the business can be fun. At least for me, like that's when things started to get a lot better, um, you know, just from a numbers perspective, right? And, and I think you can say the same thing with your recent results. Definitely. Definitely. I just want to thank you, man. Like, uh, I love your podcast. It's the first time in a really long time where on a weekly basis, I'm like getting excited for the new episodes, pretty much listening right away, if not within the first 24 hours. And it's really great to see that there's, you know, a community of us doing similar things in different verticals under kind of this home services umbrella, but all coming at it from, you know, different points of view and different life experiences and different, you know, past careers, if you will. So, um, you know, m makes me feel less alone for sure. And, you know, the community you're building is special and I love your content, man. I love everything you share. The guests you have on are awesome. And, and I think what you're building here is, is really, really special. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and, uh, and talk to you about it and hopefully come on in, in some time and we can, we can talk about each other's growth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for the kind words and, um, yeah, let's have you back on in a year or so and, and see where wet basement solutions is at that point. Love it. Yeah, man. Would love to be on and uh, really, really appreciate you, man. Thanks again. Cool. Well, listeners, thanks for listening to another episode of the owner operator podcast. I'm your host, Austin Gray, and this is Nick with wet basement solutions. Um, if you haven't checked out any of the other episodes, make sure to go back and 
check out the last one. We had Garrett Williams from Minnesota, GM Outdoor Services. He's a 23-year-old, just grew the business uh, year over year. And I think this year they were right at $5 million in revenue. So um, check him out on YouTube. I've learned a lot from building my excavation land clearing business um, from him. But once again, Nick, thanks for being on the Owner Operator Podcast. Appreciate you being here and uh, we'll chat soon. Looking forward to it, Austin. Thanks again, man.